Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Best Fit Body podcast, formerly the L Rambles podcast. But I have my co host here with me, so it's not all about me anymore. So I'm L, and I have my co host Jules with me. Hi, everybody. And today's topic that we are covering is a competition based topic, and it is all about the off season, the improvement season, the season of the gains, and, you know, a fun season where you get to step away from revealing the physique that you spent so long building. It's where you get to reassess, evaluate, maybe change some things, maybe keep some things the same. But it's a learning experience, too, for the next round that you're going to prep again for the stage. Yes, I love this topic, and I'm glad we're going to spend an entire podcast talking about it because this is really where the work happens, the fun happens. As much as some many people struggle with it, it really is the time where the days, the weeks, the months add up and can have some amazing results at the end of it. So if you, like you said, you can call it your improvement season, your construction time, your build, whatever you call it, it is the time where you're not dialing in or counting down the weeks to stage necessarily. You might be. Truthfully, I don't love, I guess we could call it whatever we want, but it's definitely not an off season. If you are a serious athlete, it's not a time off. You know, it is a time off from prep. So that's, I guess, where the term is coined, but it's that really where the work is done. And I think a lot of people forget that the work for the next season is done in that time off, quote unquote off, not necessarily during prep. During prep is where you start to reveal it. And so with the idea that so many people are afraid of the building season because they don't want to stop seeing all their lines that they saw in prep, they're not really going to see new lines when they do start prep again. Yeah. Well, I do think that having the expectation as to what is going to happen is very important. And I think many times people, we can talk to our clients through the process of their dialing in to a show about what happens after they step off the stage. But until you're really in it, it's sometimes hard to wrap your brain around. So I'm hoping people who are listening to this now, I'm hoping that many of you are in your prep to a show, or maybe you haven't competed yet, but you're starting to figure out when are you going to compete, that this is a very vital time of your fitness journey to make sure that you are really thrilled at the end of the next phase with the work that you're doing. It is really hard to explain to somebody who is thinking about, oh, you know, 12 weeks to stage or six weeks to stage, or I only have three more weeks or I'm heading into my peak week, what the post show is going to entail. But I think if you start to, and we're going to cover some of these things, you start to wrap your brain around some of these things sooner rather than later, it will help you realize that this whole thing is just, you know, it's just a moving, you know, moving parts all put together to move you on to just the next thing. So 
I'm hoping that you're going to absorb some of this and think about it and maybe open up discussion even more with your coach or even with yourself, I think, first and foremost, with yourself as to what are your expectations and how are you going to process and handle it. I think even too, this can be applied for anybody Anybody who wants to build their physique, not necessarily even an an off-season, it could be someone who hasn't even competed yet, which I think is actually really cool because you should be focused on all the things that we're going to talk about in terms of eating and building and training before you even decide to do a prep in the first place. Because if you don't have that foundation, then when we do enter the prep, which I mentioned before, is just about revealing the work that you've already done. It's not really about creating new things. It's more about, okay, I'm in prep now. I got to show off the muscle that I built underneath this body fat. And so it can really be applied for anybody. Absolutely. You don't have to compete to digest and absorb and use this. I think almost everybody, we talked about this before, almost everybody who chooses to start to exercise is doing it for appearance sake, as well as feeling good. And sometimes we have to move through the different aspects of what we're doing to get to the the next phase. As I said before, I sound like a broken record there, but yes. The first thing that I want to ask you is what do you think is important about defining your expectations for the post-show time? Because there's, I think a lot of times we put a lot of pressure on ourselves going into the off season. So for someone that holds themselves to a really high standard and they want to reverse diet and they want to be perfect on their macros and they never want to miss a training session. What do you say to someone about being realistic in that sense? Well, I think you just said that number one, you have to be realistic. And also I do think that emotions for a lot of people fluctuate a lot during this time. You know, there's this one aspect on your shoulder saying, wow, you really worked hard for this physique and You don't want to give up some aspects, but then on the other hand, life will talk to you and say, yeah, but you know, you're going on vacation, all these other things are going on in your life. You may want to have some more freedom from, you know, restrictions that you may have, you know, or expectations. So I think the biggest thing is that you have to be realistic in terms of what you think you want to do. Many, many, many people that I've worked with, you know, the moment they step off their stage, they're still on that sort of stage high, whatever their placements are, they're very excited and they are, they're rip roaring, ready to go. But then sometimes after a couple of nights sleep or things, they start to have second thoughts. So I think the biggest thing is come to your own expectation that your emotions may be up and down at the very beginning. So having the ability to process what you think you want to do and how you want to get back to, you know, life. Are you the kind of person that's just going to hit the ground running and go back to the gym? Or are you the kind of person that's going to say, Hey, you know what? I need a week from the gym. So I think that you really have to be honest with yourself. And I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong, but if you have a hard set goal and you know that it can often just kind of get you lined up right away. But I guess that's my biggest thing. How about, what about you? Uh, What do you think? I really just think it's about setting realistic expectations and not putting too much pressure on yourself because I think that post-show, a lot of people, when they're in prep, their mindset is, I don't need that food. I don't need this. I'm fine. I'm totally cool. You know, I can eat this food for the rest of my life. And if you're in, if you've ever prepped before and you've said that, 
please like screenshot this while you're listening and like tag me in your your Instagram story if you've ever been like, no, I, I'm good. I don't need I don't need any of the sweets and stuff. And then post show comes and you're like, oh man, I don't know how I said that. Like the mindset that you have in prep is very different from the mindset that you have after the show's over. And I think that you just have to be careful about that the difference between that mindset. And so while you should be a little bit more relaxed and flexible in your approach, you don't want to throw it completely out the window. So it's really about being realistic on what you're feeling in the moment and what you felt when your motivation was really high. I completely agree. And that's where I think it does help to look at what the behaviors you were doing before to lead you up to the show in terms of, you know, were they balanced? And we use that word, we toss it around. But what I mean is, can you possibly sustain the level of training and the nutrition anywhere close to where you were probably the few weeks before? Because that may not be realistic. And so we sometimes forget, we get that sort of bubble effect when we're in those final weeks of prep that we're going like, yes, cool. I, you know, this is this is great. You know, I I can cruise on this. I can coast on this. But then you get to the other side and you're like, you know what? It would be kind of nice to not have to be on that same plan and that same regime for a period of time. And I think that's where the improvement season mentality is to know that it should be different, but it may not be able to be different the day after. And so that's what I think is really hard for people to process is They may feel they don't have a plan, but I know at least with all of our clients, they do have a plan. And if they just go with that idea is like, yes, I am going to have a plan. Maybe the plan is a little more relaxed. Like maybe I don't have to do the same degree of cardio, or maybe I can go from five day lifts to four day lifts and give me, you know, opportunities to do. And we'll talk a little bit more about training styles. Let's go over that. Let's start with cardio because there's going to be like a little bit less of a lengthy discussion about cardio though. So pretty much we'll just use an example. Say someone's doing six times a week of 30 minutes of steady state and two times a week of 20 minute hit. And that was like their cardio leading up to the end of their prep. So what would you suggest somebody do initially the first week after training? And then how do you tailor and why would you tailor? And kind of depending on what the different goals are. Sure. Well, I think that's the first and foremost, you know, in terms of the conversation I'm going to have here is to kind of give you an overview because everybody's different. I think the main goal for most people is that they want to build in their off season, but they don't want to gain unnecessary fat. And I feel like that's a very universal thing. So when we are discussing the different approaches to your improvement season, I want you to keep in mind that what we're talking about is someone who wants to gain minimal fat and not no fat because that's not sustainable or really possible unless you continue on what you were doing before, that's our model. So that's our competitor that we're talking about. So you listening, if you put yourself in the place of, I want to gain minimal fat and I want to build, you can kind of then apply what we're saying to yourself. Yeah. No, that's great that you gave that extra little definition yeah, or so just pretend for that's people. You. Yeah. So using that as that client situation, you know, one of the big things is dialing into a show and, you know, sort of ramping up all of that intensity with the training. We do need to modulate 
the training. So the lifts become more important, even though they were a number one, no matter what, but even more important. So the cardio uh, needs to be weaned off. And that's the best way that I can describe it is because the amount of cardio that you need is both physiological, but also psychological. And there are a lot of people who, when they have incorporated cardio for their training, if you know, you drop the cardio right away, believe it or not, they go through a little bit of a withdrawal. There's a physiological response. So between the endorphins, the stress reduction, that often that will be a conversation, like how much cardio do you find that you need for stress reduction? But I always wean people off. And it usually takes a few weeks if I need somebody to really focus on the energy to go into the muscle building is to pull the cardio back slowly. For some people, you know, it can be a week or two or three weeks. For other people, it can take a little longer. But the goal is to try to pull back on the energy expenditure for that cardio and have more of the effort go into the lifts. So your training ratio is likely to change. And it also is for the long-term focus that if we had somebody who was using cardio that they needed to get their body fat and, you know, sort of reveal all of the hard work, if we had them continue at that pace, the body just kind of shuts down a little bit too much, you know, not completely, but in terms of your energy, that feeling of being burnt out, but also then it loses its ability to be efficient and effective when we want to ramp it up again to do the dial in in a future time. So that's what my I guess, toss out to people is that generally, if your goal is to increase your muscle building and utilize this time is that you want to do some cardio weaning to some degree. Anything you want to add on that? Yeah. The one thing that I want to add on this is that this is a very popular thing that you'll see on Instagram or whatever social media, but probably mostly Instagram, is that you always see coaches or clients bragging about how little cardio they have to do or how little they're training and how much food they're eating. And, you know, they're in the 300 carb club, but not everybody's goal is to do as little movement, as little activity as possible and eat as much as possible. So I think that it's important that when you are looking at the different aspects of the improvement season is like the goal necessarily shouldn't be like, oh, how can I move so little and eat so much? There should be a balance in that whole thing and what you are comfortable with. And I know for me that my goal used to be I want to be able to eat as much and do as little as possible because that was like the ideal thing. And I learned as I think maybe I got older that activity makes me feel better and I don't really like to have to digest like 250 carbs because that affects my training and that actually affects my energy levels. And so I know that's the cool thing to be able to diet on, you know, as high food as possible, but eating that in your off season doesn't ensure that you'll be able to eat tons and tons of food while you're dieting. Yes, I'd like to interject a little bit there. I get this often that people say, well, I want to build my metabolism and get it so that I can eat as much as I, you know, at a very high level and not have my body gain body fat. 
you know, that's like Cinderella's fairy, you know, fairy godmother coming down and granting you, you know, a wish. It's not always realistic. It sounds wonderful, but the human body has a limitation. And so, yes, if you do boost your metabolism by building muscle, then yes, you can hypothetically continue to, you know, build your food intake and keep your body composition the same, but your body composition is changing. So it's really hard. And so when people say, well, I, I, you know, feed me more, feed me more. It's like, well, I, I can increase your food intake, but you are going to have to realize that just increasing your food intake at some point, if your energy expenditure isn't properly balanced, you are going to gain excessive body fat, which you ultimately are not going to be that happy with. So this is where I talk about like the same thing with the cardio. It's an energy expenditure. So we have to modulate it with all of the other factors in terms of what is your daily life like? What is your other activity like? So that's a really good point about that. You know, people will often say that and it kind of makes me cringe because I'm like, yeah, then, you know, I see somebody who's eating all this food and then six weeks later, they've put on eight pounds and they're not happy. There's a little bit, and I always say this, that there's a little bit of a boomerang effect with fat gain. And if you've competed before, if, if you've ever tried to lose weight before, you know this, you know, the frustration of oh my goodness, I have been dieting for six weeks and eight weeks and I'm not seeing anything. And that's when a lot of people say, screw this, it's not working. I got to try something new. But if you just keep going, you'll see the effects later down the road. And so that's why when people say like, look, I didn't gain you know 10 pounds of fat overnight from this meal. If you keep like if someone weighs themselves in the morning, they're like, look, I'm the same way. It's like, well, duh, like your body's not just going to instantly put on that fat. But if you keep doing that down the road, that's where it adds up. And so a lot of people like to think about calorie intake as like on the daily, but you do have to kind of look at it as like a weekly thing and then a monthly thing and then over a span of a long time. And so the same way that it goes for dieting and losing body fat, it goes the same way for gaining. So you'll see somebody after their show and they're like, oh my God, calories up, 600 calories for my peak week calories or whatever, and I've gained no weight. And it's like, well, okay, probably it's because your energy expenditure has been higher or equal to because you have more energy from the food that you're eating. So you're probably even expending more energy because you're able to push harder at the gym. After weeks and weeks and weeks of this surplus of calories, it shows up later. And so that's what I wanted this to hit home to you is that it's not just about what you eat, you know, in your one cheat meal, but it's like, if you're increasing calories and you're putting yourself into a surplus over time, that's going to result in weight gain. It's just, that's just, that's a fact. It's just, that's just how it is. (laughs) It's totally a fact. And there is, you know, it's the same thing when somebody first starts training, they don't see results until a while later. It's the same thing with the food up the food down, you know, it's a cumulative effect of, and we talk about this often, it's the consistency and it is what you're doing over the course of the daily for a period of time. And often I just want to call this, these improvement seasons, these off seasons, whatever patient season, you have to have 
a lot of patients and not dwell as much, you know, do the daily, but don't dwell in the daily and then step back and look at it over the course of time. But it is also, again, define what your expectations are for this post-show time and make sure that you're constantly checking in with it and making sure that, you know, yeah, every week, every two weeks, every month that, you know, what are you doing on the daily and is it giving you the results that you want? And that goes with that cardio. So, you know, with the cardio, I definitely think that cardio, just like other aspects of training, needs to change. And, you know, your body is going to respond differently to different types of cardio. So, you know, it's like we all know HIT is great, but there are times where we have to manipulate it and maybe HIT is not going to be you know, what you want to do. And it may not be what you want to do if you're really trying to put on a significant amount of muscle mass. You may want to keep cardio in a different form just to kind of keep the endurance aspects of the cardiovascular circulatory system and not necessarily, you know, a metabolic boost for later on just so you can eat more food. That's what we use that hip for during the prep. So we kind of covered cardio. We we know that it's basically scaling back for what A, you're comfortable with and B, for what level you were doing to start. But I want to switch into basically kind of the two different camps of what to do with your nutrition initially after after your peak week, after your show, basically what to do the Monday or Tuesday following your show weekend. And I want to cover kind of the two big ones that you hear most about. So the first would be reverse dieting and the second would be the recovery diet. And I know there's a lot of different terms for this and these are just the two that we're going to kind of cover and explain what the two of them are. So reverse dieting is basically taking what you've done in your peak week and literally just reversing the diet. So that's pretty much as simple as it gets and there's loads and loads of information. So I'm not necessarily gonna go over exactly what reverse dieting is, but that's one method of it. So it's basically, you know how you dial in for the show? You kind of dial dial right out of it. And there are a lot of different ways to incorporate refeeds and family dinners and just time to enjoy foods that you weren't enjoying during prep. But it's a very methodical way of reversing yourself out of the show so you don't put on that initial fat right away. Now, the recovery diet is more of a diet that I think is useful for Bodybuilders, figure competitors, physique competitors, bikini competitors, definitely. But if only you get to that like sub 10% body fat, in my opinion, Jules, would you agree? Uh, I guess I wouldn't put a number on it, you know, but yeah. The point of the recovery diet is to initially get your calories up a couple hundred calories right off the bat without a reverse and then start the reverse diet from there. So because, and I say the sub 10% body fat, which it's plus or minus, it's different on everybody. But if you are into that very, very, that extreme level of body fat, that is really not safe to be at for a long time. And so the theory behind the recovery diet is to get your systems back into a healthier place by initially bumping up the calories and then starting to slowly add from there. They basically say to add a, it's like 15% of your body weight back on before you even start adding calories 
and switching into that reverse dieting mode. So in terms of the reverse dieting, I do look at it as what more people look at, or I sometimes call it more that maintenance. So somebody who is backing out of a show prep, and as you said, you know, incrementally increasing, and everybody's a little different because some people really are psychologically ready to get back right onto the plan. And other people struggle a little bit more with, you know, they can maybe follow the plan a few days, but then they have a little extra. So it is learning how to figure what you need physiologically and emotionally in this initial few weeks backing out of of that. So that's what I call sort of the reverse diet is a little bit more handholding, a little bit more manipulation of maybe your meal structure, maybe your food timing so that you feel energized and that we can minimize the cravings, minimize the sort of desire to kind of go overboard because you've worked really hard and you don't want to work in the reverse of some of the, the gains that you've you've had. The recovery diet, there are people who have been dieting for a very, very long time. And so that we often will need to, you know, help them reset their energy, their hormones, and just sort of how they feel. So I look at it as two different situations, but both of them need to be attended to responsibly. Yeah, both of them are just kind of up to you and your coach and the discussion that you have with your coach about what you what type of approach you want to do because if you feel like you cannot even imagine eating at, you know, your pre-peak week calories and usually right off the bat with my clients, I'll bump them up if they don't have another show coming and even if they do have another show coming in in the next few weeks, I will even put them on you know, a higher calorie intake for that first week post show, give them some good energy and then dial them in again for the next show. But pretty much if you're done for the season, I like to increase calories by, you know, it, it depends on the person, but by, by a small little chunk, because that's what's more manageable for people. And I like to work with my clients and I always put a realistic spin on it because yeah, that's great. You could have someone eating 1300 calories the week after their show, but are they going to be able to maintain that? And are they going to not feel so hungry that they end up binge eating or something like that, or just going overboard? And so I think that's really important is that before the show ends, you may think like we talked about before that you could stick to it and you'll be great, but sometimes that's really hard to do after the show. And so you have to at least have a conversation with your coach about what's manageable and what's not. So if you feel comfortable with the reverse diet, slowly adding calories, then go for it. But if you feel like you really need some more food and you're having feelings of needing food and really feeling low on energy, then the recovery diet or a mix of the two may be a good way to go. Yes. And I do think that this brings up a very, very important aspect of the nutrition is how hunger is perceived if you've been dialing in for a show versus now your show is over and you don't have the concept of standing up on stage in a skimpy little sparkly suit, that your perception of hunger is going to be very different because you might not have that exact same goal. You're thinking, I'm in my growth and I have to add on some muscle here. So being able to sit back and say, oh, you know, I'm going to ignore my hunger or I'm going to just kind of push my hunger off to my next meal, it becomes much 
more difficult for the majority of people when they don't have that focus post-show and they have an understanding of how to manage hunger. Because if you were to only go ahead and start to eat for that, if you've been at that 10% body fat for a while dialing in, or you've been on a real deficit between your energy expenditure and your food intake at that very, very high level, your body is going to push you to eat more. And so if you want to be successful at that post-show transition time or building and having the patience, again, coming back and saying, I have the patience, that sitting around and struggling with it and then going on just saying, oh, you know, forget this, I'm just going to go ahead and eat, rather than talking with your coach and saying, I need to have a plan and help me through this. And I have a lot of clients who do that. And I work with them to learn how to modulate and sort of have what I call sometimes for them emergency macros so that they know that, you know what, this is the plan, but I know if they're really hungry, these are the things that, you know, they can go ahead and eat that so that it can really help with the sort of post-show binging. Because people think, oh, well, I shouldn't eat that. They try to deny, deny, and then it just kind of sets them off. So the nutrition has to be really, really flexible in your approach, not necessarily in the plan, if that makes sense. Definitely does. And while you were talking, I was just thinking, and I have a client, Elise, and a lot of you who do follow on social media know her story and her journey. And she lost 60 pounds over the last year with prep and in the brain and with her main goal. And I definitely want to have her on here because her story is awesome. And with losing 60 pounds and going through some health complications and then deciding, you know, I want to be one of those girls up there on stage. I want to do this. And then actually committing to it and doing it and just looking amazing. I think you guys would really enjoy her story. But I have her in my brain because she just finished up her season. And although it's early in May, she got three shows done this year. And she has said some really great things because since she has lost so much weight, we have, and we've been working together for a long time, we have had a lot of time to discuss what's going to happen after. We had a lot of discussions about the feelings surrounding food. And one thing that she said to me that I just, like, I just beamed like a proud, like, mama over here, like a proud coach. She said, I've learned that I'm making a list of the things that I want to have. I want to go try. I want to eat, enjoy with my daughter, this and that. And she said, I'm making a list of it because I want to space it out. And she says, I don't want to feel like I need to have everything all at once. And I thought that that was just so great for her to acknowledge and even just say you say out loud because that's the type of attitude I think that everybody should have post show it's like okay yeah you weren't having the cookies from down the road and the pizza there and the pasta here and the chinese food whatever you're you want to eat you're not having it all at once and if you're aware of spacing it out and you just have that conscious thing like, hey, food's always going to be there. I'm going to need to eat again tomorrow. I'm going to need to eat next weekend. It makes it a little bit easier to reduce those crazy kind of cravings and desires immediately after the show's over, after the diet in quotes is over. Absolutely. And that's a critical thing that if you're competing, that you really should make a list. You know, I always say nothing is more intense than the food fantasies that happen to people during the the last couple of weeks of prep. And they start to really sort of romanticize. It just seems like everybody is romanticizing donuts these days. It was cupcakes a few years ago. And they just can't wait to have this big 
box of donuts and eat them all. And well, maybe you should buy a smaller box of donuts this week and have, you know, a piece of a few of them. And then next week, you can go back and get, you know, it's so trendy. It's so funny how it's just marketing that makes these things so crazy. Like there's food. It's, every, it's just it funny. Is funny. It's like, everywhere. it's, I think a lot of people who do compete for the first time, or if it's like a big weight loss goal or whatnot, all their friends are really proud of them and excited. And, you know, I think it happens more when people are doing a little bit more of like the bro dieting, like the clean eating meal plan and not flexible dieting. I think that's one of the benefits of flexible dieting is that you don't have these food fantasies because you I mean, you probably still have some, but you don't think, oh my God, I can't have that. You know that you could have it, but is it worth it for the calories? And I think that that is one thing that flexible dieting really helps with is that you just get to have a better idea of what's worth your nutrition. And I've said this a few times before in the intuitive eating podcast, but it kind of makes you think about your return on investment on your calories, like your little macro bank, because yeah, you could have a donut in your macros. Probably most of you could fit a donut in your macros, but that would probably eat up a lot of your fat and a lot of your carbs. And that's not going to make your training good. That's not going to make your digestion good. It's not probably not going to make your sleep good. And so you just start to learn like, I mean, it's good in theory, but do I really want it? Maybe a bite, but you don't need to gorge yourself with that. Yeah. Can I just interject something here? It's interesting because a lot of times people will say, well, if you're using the flexible nutrition approach, we go with the counting macros and tracking your food. And there's a lot of weighing and measuring your food. Even if you're doing the bro science way, you're still measuring your food. And there are people who post show that say, oh, I just don't want to track anymore. You know, it's, it's a chore or it just, you know, is a bother. But then they get frustrated because their body is starting to show that maybe they haven't been so mindful. But that's the whole point is the tracking keeps you honest. And I think if you want to take a step away from tracking, but you still want to, you know, stay on your plan, or I should say, uh, moving forward with your goals, that you have to be completely honest with yourself. And I think that's a big thing when people say, well, I'm just not going to track or, you know, if if we have a client that I see big holes in their tracking and I say, well, what's going on here? Oh, I I was eating, you know, right on my focus plan. I was like, well, I don't have any way of gauging that. And if you're not tracking, I know for me, and I'm just gonna be honest, when I don't track, I know I'm having extra. I know I'm eating a little bit more. I know I may be eating a little less of this or a little more of that. And it is just, when do we decide that we're going to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, are we being completely honest with our activities? And are they are they just in line with what we really want? And I think if you just keep focused on that, then you're going to be really comfortable with whatever your, your off season is. And it's the same thing. Remind yourself when you might be in the sort of bulking phase, bulking, we talked about this on another call, that as long as you're doing those activities to match what your expectations are, then you should be very proud of yourself and no matter what that you're accomplishing this. So I think that that's one of the biggest things about the tracking, the not tracking, the different approaches, whether you're measuring and weighing with a little bit more of a food plan or you are incorporating things. So if you're going to go ahead and have the donut, 
Just be honest. You know, are you going to have one donut or are you going to have five? Will one donut make you just as happy as five donuts? So I just want to interject that. No, I think that's good and that's appropriate because that is an important aspect of it is being honest with yourself. And I think it's difficult for a lot of people because during prep, there's basically most people have it's not even an all or nothing mentality. It's just like, it's a nothing mentality. Like, no, I will not go over my macros. No, I will not miss a training or cardio session. I'm going to drink all my water. I'm going to make sure this and that. And then after the show, there's basically no structure. And there is a little bit more of that. Oh, well, you know, I could use that. There's like a little bit more of justifying, like justifying your actions and whatnot. So literally just be honest with yourself about it and what's going to make you feel best. Because I know that a lot of people that do stick with kind of a more structured dialing out of their show, they're for the most part happier. Now, this isn't everybody. Some people completely go back to like normal eating and they're totally fine. You just have to be more aware of what works for you and what truly makes you happy. Not what the trend is on social media, not what, you know, your friend that looks gray or whatever is or is not doing. And so I think that's important to think about when it comes to kind of like your post-show plan. And I know for me that I was in a good place after my season and ended in November and I reverse dieted for pretty strictly. I kept my weight in check. I kept my cardio. I, like I, I weaned off of it slowly. I never dropped it too low because I have a heart that I want to take care of. And, you know, I like to feel good and feel fit. But then after that, you guys know that I switched over to a little bit more of that intuitive eating style. But if I had just jumped into the intuitive eating, I wouldn't have been able to maintain a physique that I really enjoyed for a long time because I didn't kind of back out of it slowly. So again, it's all about where your head's at and what's going to make you feel the best. I'm just pulling up here. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Because I was going to pull up some of the questions, kind of like the hot topics that we get about off-season and reverse dieting and lifting. So we haven't talked about lifting yet, but is there anything? No, I I think we can go on. Yeah. Also, if you guys are listening and you're enjoying this talk, please take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram story. And we would love to have you guys leaving reviews on iTunes. So if you could do that for us, that would make us so happy. I'm going to put the winner of the four-week training in the description bar of this podcast in the show notes. And if you could leave your Instagram handle in there so I could direct message you saying that you won, or you guys are just going to have to kind of check the show notes and see if you've won because I don't have a way to email you guys. So anyway, if you do leave a review and you know every week we are going to put somebody in the show notes that has won a four-week training program. So be sure to email us if you do see your name in there. So the first question that I want to go over because we haven't talked about it yet is how long should you take off from the stage? So say you competed, you know, you prepped for 24 weeks, let's say that, and you did two shows after that. How long, Jules, would you suggest that someone takes off? Wow, that's a very loaded question. So this really comes down to, you're talking about going from one competition to another or a show season to another show season. Yeah, You know, some people, it might be their first show season. And I do find that for a lot of people, if they have a 
pretty good show season and they're well managed throughout it. If they feel, especially for our spring competitors, many of them will use that as sort of a pre-conditioning and they'll get themselves to a certain degree and then maybe, you know, within another four to six months, go through another little mini, you know, mini show season, maybe one or two other shows. So for some people that works really well, if they need to, especially for some people who are just in the process of getting their feet wet in the competition world. I do find that then it goes from show season to show season because the winter show season, maybe then they'll take another six to nine months to go into the next time. And that for a lot of people is a significant period of time. So unless we have somebody who really has maybe over dieted for a long time and they really need to do a, a significant build, I do find that that seems, you know, I've been coaching competitors for about nine years now. And I have some people who have successfully done shows every year, and it will vary anywhere from six months to a full year. So I can't say that it's a a hard set answer. I think a lot of times it really does need to come down to what the ultimate goal is for the reason you're competing. The more highly competitive athlete may need a little longer time. You know, I've had people that have worked with me for a year before they even get on stage the first, like you, Elle, also have had people work with you for a very long time before they even get their feet on the stage the first time. But then they're very well set for a solid show season. And if you do have a client who is very good about adhering to their macros and their training, their recovery, that they can go on and maybe have another show season six months later. I think what it comes down to is how is the client tolerating it mentally, you know, emotionally. So that's a hard thing because it sounds hokey, but everybody's different. And I I cannot be held to an answer that it is always this way. So that's my thought on that. That was perfect. And that was, and that you basically said it all. You said everything that I would say as well. The only thing that I would add to it is it's got to be about what you're comfortable with and that the pressures of competing are not coming from anywhere. It's coming from a true desire to compete. And I think that's why some people do or do not take time off is because they have external factors that are kind of influencing them. And so if you deep down really want to compete again and you're not mentally burnt out and you're not physically burnt out and everything else, the time line in your life, it makes sense. There's no reason that if you take a three-month off-season of you know increasing calories at least to maintenance, there's no reason why you can't dial in again. And I think that a lot of people, although I said in the beginning, you know the the off-season is when the build happens. If you're not in drastic calories one way or another, you can still make physical progress at an appropriate caloric intake. And I think that with social media, it's like you either got to be cutting or bulking or something, but that's not true. A lot of the changes do happen in the in-between. And so I think that, you know, people get a little bit holier than thou if they're taking long off seasons, like they take two years off and they're like, you can't build muscle if you don't take two years off. And it's like, everybody's different, bro. Like everybody's different. Yeah. Yeah, There's no hard set answer. And there are people who have, I talk a lot about this with, I call them young competitors. Doesn't necessarily mean that they're young in years, but they're, they're relatively new to the athletic training style of building a physique for the stage. 
But, you know, there are people who have had years of other athletic events, and so their bodies are primed differently versus somebody who may have, you know, been a couch potato through high school and college, and now they're, you know, if they've fallen in love with the gym and they're seeing amazing changes, their body is going to be definitely different than somebody who maybe played soccer in high school and even in college, and, you know, they started in the gym, and then they've had eight, 10 years of bodybuilding style lifting. So you have to take all those things into consideration. You know, the mind will drive you forward or will hold you back. So if somebody says, well, I want to do another show, I always want to make sure that their mind is in the right place. If they're really struggling with the nutrition or if they're hit or miss with the gym, maybe this isn't the time. Maybe they need to get some systems in order or if their life is wildly stressed at a particular time. So there's a lot of things that will have an effect on how much time does a person need between shows. Yeah. If I have any advice for you to take away from this talk that we've had today is that you have to be really just in tune with what your body's telling you, what your mind is telling you, and what your short-term goals are, as well as your long-term goals. But the long-term goals are only going to happen if you've got those short-term goals in order. And so although you may think like down the road in eight months or a year or two years that you want to achieve a certain goal, that's great. But the only way you're going to get there is if you pay attention to the daily actions and those daily things. And so if you're present and you're just really in the moment and you're taking it day by day, and if you feel like you have a problem, you're assessing it immediately, you know, then you're going to be set for the next show season and for the next prep. You know, this sport, if you are in it for the long run, then you will take this seriously and you will pay attention to those little things as you lead into your improvement season. Yeah, I just want to add another thing here too. I was listening to your talk and I was thinking about one of the, the, the big things that drive people when they are competing. They've picked a show day because everybody around them or maybe they're quiet about it, but still, you know when you are in this prep mode because you feel very empowered. You feel that you are an athlete. You feel strong and and focused and committed. And that's where I always tell people... I want you to feel like that all the time. And I think a lot of that comes from people struggling with this concept of the motivation. And I hear this a lot. I'm not motivated unless I have a show on the horizon versus flipping it and saying, if you think about yourself as still being an athlete and still being somebody who goes to the gym with purpose, still makes food choices and lifestyle choices to support you being athletic Okay, so again, minimizing that sort of discord, when you are in this transition time, this build, this off season, this progression season, whatever you want to call it, if you really remind yourself that you are still an athlete, that you still are very empowered by your activities, and your activities are going to propel you forward, sometimes just taking a few minutes every day and reminding yourself that, that's critical, that can really make or break sort of how you feel about yourself and feeling really upbeat and positive, even though you might be needing a little more patience. So I guess my words to anybody listening to this, if you are about to embark on this transition time or you're in the midst of it, is really remind yourself of that, that you are very powerful, that you're strong and that you're determined 
determined and that you are special. And I think that's what we all feel like when we are competing. We do feel that extra degree of special. And it's okay to remind yourself that you are. You're special. <laughs> you're yeah. special, yeah. but in a good way. Absolutely. Not in that negative special way, but you're you're unique and you're, you know, you can inspire yourself by just thinking about how awesome you are. Absolutely. So I think that that's probably going to be everything that we're going to talk about. We did want to talk about the different lifting styles and should you lift heavy? Should you lift light, higher reps, plyos, this, that. But I think that could be a whole other episode because I don't want oh, it to, yeah. So I don't want it to tack onto this one. So that will be coming soon for you guys. So we're just going to wrap it up today. And if you are interested in any of our coaching services, you can head on over to our website. It is bestfitbody.com. It's also in the show notes, a little link to it. And you can send us an email and check out our different programs. We have both improvement season programs, our road to pro prep season program, which is for our competitors that are just ready and rearing to go for their season. We also have lifestyle, which is just for the average you're not average by any means, but for just someone that's looking to take their fitness to the next level. And then a couple other little small six-week programs as well as a macro calculation if you're interested in getting started with flexible dieting and macros. So check those out if you're interested in working with myself or Jules or our two other amazing coaches, a personal trainer named Laura and a registered dietitian and personal trainer named Karen. So we are so happy that you took the time to listen to today. And again, if you could leave us a review, it would be much appreciated. We like to know what you're thinking and what episodes you're vibing with and what you guys like to hear. So we really appreciate it. And we just want to say thanks, y'all. Thank you. Until next time. See you next time.